Welcome. I am Pastor Gabrielle. Everybody calls me Gabe. I'm Pastor Bob's wife, and I am just thrilled to see you guys all here this morning. Thank you. Um, I don't get to teach a lot, and that's by choice. You know, I love, I love talking to people and greeting people. Everybody tells me I have a gift of hospitality, and I, I don't think I really understood what that meant until uh, my sweet friend, um, who was out there talking to some visitors, and I just bust in there and start taking over, and she's got it well in hand. So uh, I, I, I love that, though. And so I'm very grateful, though, to have the opportunity to help Bob out because he needs a break. So he and Pastor Jack, you know, are on this hunting trip. They get back on Tuesday night. And um, I, it's just like my great honor to be able to, to give him some of that margin. So for those of you who are new to Discover or you haven't been here in a while, we teach a little differently. We teach mainly books of the Bible. We go through an entire book. We've had some series that we've done like a spiritual warfare or one-off messages. But for the most part, we try to go through an entire book because we feel there is great, great benefit to having the context of reading a whole book at a time rather than pulling things out a little bit here and there. And so Revelation is pretty chunky, right? And we've been in it for a while. And last week, Pastor Bob taught on chapter 14. And I just want to put out there, we don't do bulletins, so you didn't miss something if you didn't see a bulletin. We encourage people to take notes. And I just want to mention that if you are a visitor and you are a journaler, we have in the little tin bucket outside the sanctuary doors a journal that you can take as our gift to you. And you're welcome to go pick that up. My feelings won't be hurt if you do that while I'm talking. Um, but last week, Pastor Bob was teaching in chapter 14, and it talks about the 144,000. There's so much stuff in that chapter that he covered, but one of the things that really stood out to me and I wanted to highlight before going into chapter 15 was the part where God sends an angel to preach the gospel. And revelation can be very scary for some people. We've talked about the fact that some people don't even want to hear it. They don't want to come to church while we're teaching it because they're afraid of what is in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that should not be scary. And this is a perfect example of where God, because he is just and he is good, he sends this angel to preach the gospel to the world to ensure that no one misses hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought to yourself, God, right now he has given us that job. We are to evangelize. We are to share the good news. Have you ever thought to yourself, how in the world am I going to do that? How in the world am I going to make sure that every single person gets the chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? He makes sure that every single person gets to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He sends this angel in chapter 14 to preach the good news. And if he would do that then in the end times when he is about to release his wrath on what is left of the world, those who have chosen to follow the Antichrist, then I feel certain that any of our loved ones now, if they are not believers, I feel certain that God would make a way for them to hear about Jesus Christ so that they also can make that decision. The opportunity for us to decide is the theme throughout the entire book of the Bible. All right, 
So we're going into chapter 15. This is only eight verses. So one of the things, if you've been here for a while, you know that in Revelation, in chapter one, verse three, it says, and I'm using the reading glasses. I tried this last night without them and it was a disaster. Uh, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. And that's telling us specifically the entire word of God is a blessing. But when it points out that this prophecy, you will be blessed to hear it and heed it, we want to make sure we hear it and heed it. So one of the things we've done differently in the book of Revelation is we've been reading the entire chapter before we start the teaching on it. So like I said, this is only eight verses, so we're, we're lucky today that this is a short one, but that's how I'm going to start as well. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked, and in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the testimony, was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So chapter five, again, the shortest chapter in the book of Revelation, and John, the Apostle John, covers two main visions in this chapter. He talks about those who emerge victorious against the beast and his forces, the Antichrist and his forces, and he talks about the seven angels holding golden bowls filled with God's wrath. This chapter sets the stage for chapter 16, where stuff is going to start happening fast, and these seven plagues are going to be poured out. This is the third and final series of the seven judgments. We saw the seven seals in chapter 6 and the seven trumpets in chapter 8. And we are, by our best accounts, in the second half of the tribulation, so the last three and a half years by the time that this is happening. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this up into two uh, verses so that we can just cover them two verses at a time. And I, I think it lends itself really well to that. I'm going to hold on to my notes because last night I was a little unsettled, guys. And I appreciate your prayers and Weston's prayers over this. So I'm just going to try to take a deep breath and take my time on this because I felt it so powerful what the Holy Spirit revealed to me while I was studying this and while Bob and I were discussing this message. So we're going to put up the first two verses right now. Revelation 1 and 2. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. So there's a couple things I want to point out about verse 1. 
Bob's taught in the past that John um, is not always linear in what he is relaying. And especially in Revelation, that can be really difficult because we can translate back and forth or, or move back and forth from the past to the present to the future. So one of the things I noticed in this is that it talks about the seven angels with the seven last plagues, but they haven't been handed the plagues yet. So I think in this first verse, he's kind of given us a summary about what he's going to give us in detail as we work through the rest of the verses. Another thing, um, wrath. I want to point out wrath, something that we've been teaching. Up until this point, God's wrath has been orge wrath. Bob did the Greek lesson, right? And that's corrective wrath. God has been amping things up, making things very uncomfortable to push people to make a decision and choose Jesus, all right? By the time we get here, wrath in this context is thumos wrath. This is where we are moving to punishment. This is where the definition talks about an outburst of fury. This is God's righteous indignation against sin. But I think it's important to know, really, God isn't given to just outbursts of fury, right? His wrath is righteous. This is not something that was like, you know what? I'm done, boom. This is something that's been the plan from the very beginning, and he put it in his word so that we would know that was so. And I think that's important to know that there isn't anything unexpected that's going to jump up out of nowhere. God makes very sure that we have every opportunity to be aware of what is happening and to make the choices that he puts before us, that we have that ability to make those choices. And these angels, really their job, because at this point, remember the angels that have reaped the believers and... and um, Really, these angels, the wrath they're pouring out, they are pouring out on people who have made the choice to follow Satan. This is not being poured out on believers. This is not being poured out on people who have persevered. This is the last of the judgments because this completes it. There isn't anybody who is stumbling in to aligning with the Antichrist. It will be very clear. Verse 2, and I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God. So God, in his wisdom and his mercy, knows that revelation is heavy. But he puts this in here so that we know there is a place for those who persevere. They are seen. John sees them. They are victorious. They are celebrating. They have persevered. They have not worshipped the beast. They have not worshipped his image. Remember when Pastor Bob teaches how they will erect an image of the Antichrist that will be able to talk and people will worship the image as well. These who were victorious did not do that. They did not take the number of his name, any mark of the beast. And if you have not, um, if you've missed messages in this series, we've got it on podcasts. Listen to those messages. There are so much in there, but everything 
builds on itself. Everything lays a foundation so that it can be clear what is happening. These people have persevered and they sacrificed even if it meant sacrificing their lives because the end result is being victorious and celebrating with God. They're holding harps given them by God. And one of the things this reminds me of this verse is if we look back um, in uh, Exodus, right? You look back in Old Testament where the um, Israelites are celebrating on the shores of the Red Sea after Moses being used by God parts the Red Sea and their Egyptian pursuers are drowned as they're chasing them. And this is a really nice parallel to this. Um, It's God letting us see the same theme of where we are disobedient, where we are maybe not following, where we are in trouble, and then God delivers us. So there are so many things that God does to make sure, hey, do you remember? Do you remember what you read here? This is why it's so important to understand the entirety of the Bible, to read the entirety of it. It's not like you're going to read it once through and you're like, got it. It doesn't work like that. I totally get that. There are so many things you read and you're like, I don't understand that. Or I feel like I've read that a dozen times before and you're trying to fight with the context. Don't give up. Don't give up because the Holy Spirit will allow you, um, will reveal to you, right? You'll have revelation as you read the Bible as you need it because we're not capable of just reading it once and having the whole context make sense because it's living. It's living and it applies to things that are happening to us in our lives. And when we look at this, you might think this doesn't apply to me, but it does. And we're gonna talk about that as we keep moving on. The similarity to that Old Testament, that Old Testament vision of them by the Red Sea that goes farther with the next two verses. We've got verses three and four. So they have their harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. So in the Old Testament, there are a few recorded songs that are very well known. Um, one is in Exodus when they are standing by the Red Sea and they are singing this song of victory. And I believe that's uh, Exodus 15. And another um, is in uh, Deuteronomy 32 where um, there's the song of Moses. And that's referenced in Isaiah and other areas of the Bible. And, And that song is a song that Moses wrote and taught to his people so that they could remember what had happened, what they had been through, what God had delivered them from. Sometimes it was God had to do correction, but then he delivers them after that. And Moses knew, he was an old man, right? Moses knew that after he was gone, if they struggled while he was there to help them and to guide them and to give them a little smack every once in a while when they needed it, how much more troublesome was it going to be once he was gone, once Moses had passed on. So he teaches them this song, this song to help them remember what God has done and who 
God is, that he is the one person, the one, only one worthy of our worship, okay? Think about, and this is, is such a little example. Think about if you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, have you ever tried to teach your kids something and you have to teach them like a little rhyme or something to help them, stranger danger, whatever it is. God is our father and it's no different. He wants to keep us safe. He wants to keep us within his will. He wants us to make good choices. So he does everything he can to help us. He's not leaving things to chance. He's not trying to trip us up. He wants us to have the fullness of what he has to offer. This song in Revelation, when you think back about how it ties to Old Testament and how they sang those songs, and this song right here is kind of the combination, uh, that tying together, showing that the Old Testament church and the New Testament church now are one. God delivered them in the Old Testament through a lot of difficult stuff. And then we get to the New Testament and he uses Jesus to deliver us. And we should be singing about it all the time. But he wants us to recognize that he's not a different God in the Old Testament than he is here in the New Testament, but that he has made our way much lighter. And we only have to make that choice to have that eternal victory. That pattern that he shows us just helps us recognize and rely on the fact that he always prevails. We'll bring up five and six, please. After this, I looked and I saw in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the covenant law, and it was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. So the tabernacle of testimony was a movable tent that Moses had constructed to be able uh, to be a place where God could manifest his presence. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was, was put, is where God's word was confirmed. So this shows us This is a holy place. This is where God's presence is manifested. So when you see in verse 6, the angels coming out of here, this shows us that these are not demonic angels with plagues that they are punishing the earth with. These are holy angels that are commissioned by God. They are coming out of the temple. In in, uh, chapter 14, we saw the reaping angels also coming out of the temple. Again, giving us comfort in the knowledge that this is not demonic. This is from God, and this is part of God's plan. And if it's part of God's plan, it's good. Sometimes that's all you need to know, right? Sometimes you read some of this. I read in in some of the commentaries I was looking at, some of these things I was looking at uh, when I was studying this, where some people don't believe these are really angels. Some people believe that these really are representing ministers or people within a congregation. And it could be. I don't think that's the way it is, but that could be. But really, that part doesn't matter. What matters is that what happens is God's plan. And that is where our comfort should lie. You know, we study and we do whatever we can to be prepared 
so that we can recognize, again, he shows us over and over and over again in so many circumstances how he works and how his will works for us so that we can recognize it when it's happening. And that's what we need to not get distracted by other things, not get distracted about fighting about details, but about learning the real concept of what God is trying to teach us as people and what his, his ultimate place for us in heaven is. That's an awesome, awesome thing. One of the things, one of the things that I read that I just loved, and we'll pull up seven and eight, and we'll talk about this in just a second. Jeremy, if you want to bring up seven and eight. The one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. So before we get to eight, Jeremy, go ahead and put up the image in here. So this is really the least disturbing image I could find <laughs> regarding the seven plagues. You know, nobody's thinking it's going to be super fun, right? And um, my mom's heart could not put up some of the images that I saw there. So I chose this one. And you see these bowls that these angels are taking. And one of the things that I read in my study, and I thought this was a beautiful description, and it was, it was a good way to kind of wrap my mind around the idea of bowls filled with wrath, is they talked about imagining these bowls being filled measured full with accumulated wrath. So this isn't like um, somebody made a mistake and God filled bowls with a bunch of wrath and then hands them out to the angels. This is accumulated wrath over the entire human, the, the entire time that we've been here, the entire history of humankind. And because God's wrath is righteous, and because he is not prone to outbursts of anger, you know, he knows what's going to happen. There's nothing, there's nothing that's a surprise to him. There's nothing that he didn't see coming. These bowls accumulating wrath until they are measured full, and that's when God works in his perfect and precise timing. This is after the angel has preached the gospel after everyone has made a choice, good or bad. Now, I'm going to tell you, if all of this is happening, I cannot even wrap my mind around who it is that would choose to follow the Antichrist over Jesus, right? If anybody wasn't sure whether or not the Bible was real, whether Jesus was real, whether or not the idea of salvation was real, this kind of stuff starts happening, I'm jumping on board for sure, right? But we know from the word that that's not what happens with everybody. People make a choice and they make an informed choice. And there's no, there's no way for me to wrap my mind around why somebody would not choose Jesus, but we know that that's the case. Okay, Jeremy, you can bring back up the verses, the seven and eight. God who lives forever and ever. This is just talking about God's eternal nature. It's important whenever we talk about, um, we talk about anything in the Bible, anything that we're reading, you hear the phrase, the catchphrase, you know, uh, eternal perspective. It's very true. 
It's very true. We need to understand that this isn't just a blip and then we'll get past that. This is forever and ever. God is forever and ever. So the choice that we make is an eternal choice for ourselves. So understanding that eternal perspective is so, so very important. Those shallow bowls, some versions of the Bible say vials. It's the same thing, same thing. Wide mouth, shallow bowl. You saw the, the image I put up there. I saw some that had big giant bowls. Again, doesn't matter. You know, it's God's wrath. God's wrath could be poured out in a thimble if that was what he wanted to do. So we're not worrying about that. It's just the fact that it's God's wrath. And it's about to happen in chapter 16 when Bob teaches next week. You know, we'll see the fullness of, of what that looks like. The image of the angels is just shows royalty, their gold sashes. Again, I try not to get too caught up in that part of it as much as what is the concept? What is the Holy Spirit trying to tell me? What am I to be diligent about when I'm reading this? In verse 8, it talks about the smoke that fills the temple. This is the presence of God. We've seen this many times throughout the Bible. It's very recognizable imagery. No one can enter until the angels have completed their job. This underscores the seriousness of this judgment and the fact that the time for intercession is done. Now remember, God's not being mean. Everyone has heard the gospel. Everyone has heard the gospel. But like we were saying before, right now, before that happens, it's our job to spread the gospel. One of the things Bob and I were talking about our son, our oldest son, Ryan, who's in the Navy, or was in the Navy, um, when they were little kids, we took our kids to the movies all the time. And we asked them, so what's your favorite, what's your favorite part about the movies? You know, you're thinking candy, popcorn, what's your favorite part about it? And I remember Ryan, he was probably maybe 12, 13 at the time, saying his favorite part about going to the movies as a family was discussing it as a family afterwards. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I love discussing the messages with Bob. Now, you may think, you're a pastor, duh, but it wasn't always like that. You know, I, I, I think that God is so merciful that he just takes us through baby steps for whatever it is that we can handle, whatever it is we're able to absorb, whatever it is that we're able to dream, because I never, as a child, I didn't grow up in the church, and as a child, ministry was nowhere on my radar. Nowhere. But God knew, and I look back in retrospect, how he built on those things to bring us to where we are now. And I love, I love being in ministry. It's hard, but I love it. I love it so much. And I think I have grown to love talking about the Bible with people. We do a women's study on Tuesday nights. We've gone through Daniel and Isaiah. And I'm going to tell you a God thing about this. I found an app. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to use this app as the format for our study. You know, I am so overwhelmed. I have so much going on. I don't have time to research something better. So I'm just going to use this app until I have time. So the app just happens to have us in Daniel and then in Isaiah. 
while we're going through Revelation here on the weekends. That has been amazing. The Old Testament foundation helps so much with the understanding of New Testament revelation. I just, I encourage you guys, as you study, talk about it with each other. Talk about it with a spouse, a friend, your kids. You know, if somebody, if a friend opens up that opportunity, talk about it. That is evangelizing. You may not believe that, but it is. It is a way to get somebody to catch fire for what God is revealing to them. That first time that light bulb goes off about something they recognize and they're like, wait, I know that. I know that story. I know what that means. Help foster that because it's our job right now until we get to the end times when God sends his angel to make sure that nobody, nobody misses their opportunity. So this chapter, when I look at it, again, just eight verses, kind of a transition into something pretty heavy that's about to happen. But God is good to give us the encouragement of showing those who have been victorious. He reminds us, okay, he says, okay, remember, you've seen this in my word. You've seen how this happens. I always prevail. I always prevail. If you stay with me, I always prevail. We can trust him because he gives us a word full of history and fulfilled prophecy so that we can trust his ability and faithfulness regarding our lives today as well as his future prophecy. We can believe it because we have seen him tested and we have seen his faithfulness and his truthfulness through all of this. So you might ask yourself, why is it a blessing to read and heed? Is it, is it really a blessing? Before we do communion, before I bring the worship team up, I want you guys to take just a moment and think about, have you ever gotten lost? So say, you know, you go to a friend's party, you go meet up with some friends, it's during the day, you're pretty sure you know where you're going, you feel super comfortable about where you are. And then when you're leaving, all of a sudden you realize, hey, I don't recognize anything. And if you're like me, I have no natural sense of direction whatsoever. I mean, zero. And so I get a little panicked if all of a sudden I realize I'm somewhere and I have no idea where I'm at. You know, if I can't see the mountains, I've got nothing. Yeah. And uh, I've had my GPS take me in the middle of totally the wrong place before. So you can't always rely on that. And, and you get that feeling about like, where in the heck am I? I'm in a bad area of town. Am I driving in the middle of the wilderness? What is happening here? And then think about the first time you see something you recognize. Maybe it's a building. Maybe it's a Barnes and Noble. Maybe it's a, a street sign with a name that you recognize. Think about the relief that you feel in that moment. Just take a deep breath and think about that relief. The word of God in its entirety allows us to remember even those things we have not personally experienced so that we can recognize those landmarks, so we can recognize the truth from the counterfeit, so we can see that signpost 
so we can find our way home. Worship team, you can come up. So I love this chapter. I love this chapter. I'm like, I'm thinking eight verses. What could be in eight verses? So much in eight verses. But every book of the Bible points to Jesus. Every book of the Bible has a purpose for us. And that foundation allows us to go into revelation with no fear, with no fear. Again, you will not stumble into aligning yourself with the beast. You just keep your eyes on Jesus and it's gonna be okay. It is gonna be okay. And I want from the bottom of my heart for you not to have fear about that. It is so important for you not to have fear about that. God doesn't want you to feel like you're in a desert with all kinds of things you don't recognize. If you read God's word and understand it as what it is, a gift to us, you know, people call it a love letter to us. It is. It's because he doesn't want us to feel like we don't know what's going on. Like we don't know what he has in store for us. He wants us to feel assured that nothing is done by chance. He makes sure that there is a way. So we're going to go into communion now. And we've got at the crosses, we have juice, we have gluten-free crackers, we have bread. I'll be serving up in the front here with wine and gluten-free crackers and bread. But I would ask when you go up to take communion, you know, you can let yourself start with the music. Just You don't have to do it until you're ready. Just think about it. Just remind yourself of that relief of getting your bearings and knowing whose and where you are. Be thankful for that. Go up, take communion and be thankful that God sent Jesus to be that signpost that we can recognize, that he would never allow one of his to make a mistake in an internal way. Sometimes he allows us to make mistakes because we have to learn something. He's not playing with our salvation. He ensures that we have the option to make an informed choice. And God is like, so merciful in that way. Jesus is the most amazing choice we could ever make and it's a permanent, eternal choice. God bless you guys. Just 
There's nothing better than singing and just raising our voices and making a joyful noise unto the Lord to be in his presence. <laughs> 